episode seven. Oh, episode seven. Yes. Yeah. I was like, wait, what's the number? I forgot the number. <laughs> now we have to keep track of the numbers. Right. And do little, like, you know, in prison when they put little <laughs> lines for every, like prison, every day. This is a prison Yeah, we'll just sentence. have lines on the, on the wall. We'll put them back there. <laughs> that would be funny if we had lines <laughs> or every five, you know, like yeah. the prison lines. Oh, that would be hilarious, actually. Stay tuned to see, <laughs> see if we do that. We could use, use a masking tape and just. Yeah. Yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> that would be that would be hilarious, actually. Something then, something other than a blank wall to look at. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so number seven. Uh, it's been a while since we've done. It's been a little while since we've done these. We like we got a whole bunch of them out, and then we didn't. Okay, so we had a a request, special request from a dedicated listener, from a dedicated listener, to do an episode on. Teenagers? Teenagers. Teenagers. But. Can't live with them. Can't throw them in the river. Is that how you feel about our teenagers? <laughs> no. I, I, I love my teenager. I think they're all perfect. Um, and so I didn't, the request was vague enough. So, and so I will kind of open it to interpretation. And I think, I, I actually think it's perfect because the things you and I just talked about, about like coming into this life and living out your karmic plan, like the one karmic plan. Let's say if we narrow down to the one, right? But they kind of all weave in together. And so your life path would basically, right from the beginning, will just start itself on the one trajectory. And then your teenage years is kind of like the lock. Not to put any pressure on anyone. Right. The, uh, there's this, uh, and, and I agree with this, this, um, I think it was a Jesuit saying, is that, oh, give me the, a child between the years of, the ages of zero and seven, and I will show you the man that he will become. And what that means is that those are the really formative years between zero and seven. Uh, and, and what you learn in there is so deeply imprinted and rooted in your brain that that's just, unless you do some serious work, that's just the programming you live with for the rest of your life. Yeah. But after that, the teenage years are when you start to really, I feel, you know, develop your own independent identity. And you get to, like, for the first time in your life, have some freedom away from your parents and, uh, and get to explore what it means to be you in a way that you can't when you're, say, nine. Yeah, but I think more more devastatingly than that, the truth that you have come to set in as your set of beliefs between ages of zero and seven, right? When you could not cognitively comprehend or or realize what is right, you couldn't process all the things that were happening to you. <coughs> Did I make it too God, spicy? Too? Spicy. <laughs> I overdid the cayenne pepper on the kick out today. I wasn't inspired. <laughs> mm. Good stuff. <laughs> it I'm burns. Sorry. Yeah. And so when you're not able to process and you set in your truth at before age of seven or eight or nine, right? Your teenage years, I think, is would be the first time when you start to question why is my life the way it is? 
Yeah. Especially in the generation of teenagers today, right? So maybe maybe for you and I, we weren't as much there, but for the teenagers today, your teenage years, you're becoming an adult. And so by the first time you, you're thinking of having your own thought of like, wait, everything is a choice. Why, why is this happening to me? And so you still feel slightly trapped by that idea that you're under your parents' thumb. But at the same time, the independent thought, the fact that, you know, you're getting ready to leave your home here in a couple of years is setting in. And so you're right there on, on, the, um, on the clasp of two worlds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's teenage years is when I started. I mean, rebelling is the wrong term, but, but questioning. I always started questioning like the, uh, my religious upbringing and things like that. Yeah, well, you start to question things that have been the rule thus far. Right, the the doctrine, and not just religious doctrine, but yeah, whatever, just the, the family doctrine, doctrine or yeah, the beliefs. school's doctrine, or the local laws, or whatever they happen to be. You just yeah. start to go, yeah, this is how it is, but why is this how it is, and do I really agree with that? Yeah, I, but I want to point out that is perfectly... The right thing to do. Oh yeah, that's the time to do it. it is no, no, it is the right time to start to question: Is yeah, what I have in my I mean. life serving me? Yeah, yeah, right. And then also the other very important part is: Why do I have these things in my life? And so this is going to be a touchy subject both for you and I, because we're parents, right, raising a teenager, and at the same look at the same time looking at our our upbringing as teenagers and how and how it and how it progressed like maybe how it went forth right and so this is the part i really wanted to bring up is depending on your home situation right and i think we addressed this in previous episodes so some of it might be a repeat you know some households how about this all households have these unprocessed forms of action that we do this because we do this and no one questions that. Yep. Right? Like, I mean, from as, as benign as the tradition, that's a form of that. Yeah. Not a, maybe too, uh, I don't know, trying to come up with something more well, serious. You know, whenever you are Starting as a teenager, when you're starting to question something, right? The, the some of the answers might be no. That's just the way it is. Period. Right. Because I said so. Because I said so. Right. And because I said so is even worse than because that's the way it's always been. Because yeah. at least there's a that has a precedent behind it. Yeah, but what I wanted to point out now, this is in no way to excuse or defend the way of the parents for saying that that way, right? But the, what maybe what parents don't say is that, or maybe a lot of them don't actually understand, is if there is something in your household where this is just the way it is, or this is the way it has always been, or basically you're kind of locked and you, you know, you don't see a way out of that. And, and it's almost unreasonable to even bring it up to your parents. Right, you feel like you can't talk. You to can't them about talk it. about it, right? There's, you almost feel like there's nothing you can do to make them see your side of this. Mm -hmm. The chances are 
there is a huge pain body or trauma on the behalf of your parents behind that, that's just the way it is. And I say this is made for teenagers, but at the same time, you know, as a parent, whether or not they choose to recognize that or to choose to take time to spend time digging at that, to a teenager, it will come through as one unreasonable and two is they will feel trapped. Trapped. They're not being listened to. They're not being seen or acknowledged. Yeah. yeah. But but most importantly is because it is the trauma of the parents, they will see that rule or that idea or that thought is completely unreasonable because they are not living that same trauma or pain body. Right. And so the parents, I maybe there are out there really bad parents, but I think most parents really want the best for their children. They truly love their children and they want what is best for their children. And through the lens of their pain body, whatever rule or whatever that they are imposing on on the teenager that the teenager doesn't agree with, in their through the lens of their pain body, that they think that is for the best. Yeah. And whether that's curfews or don't use your phone too much or get good grades or go get a job or or don't move out of the house or do move out of the house or whatever it is through their lifetime of trauma trauma unprocessed trauma it 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 makes sense to them yeah well they so because their life was hard in the way that you know you as a teenager or us as a teenagers were not able to understand what you're seeing right now as a teenager is the parents way trying to cope with something that they themselves don't really understand or know how to handle or know how to make better, right? Something right. inside of them that hurts so much. And so, and this applies to all human beings. What we do right. is instead of trying to identify what is it that is sticking us at the core, like what are those feelings inside my heart or inside my stomach or my gut or my, you know, solar plexus, whatever it is that is like causing me to feel like crap, what we do is we develop pretense control, points of control, where we soothe the idea of having to deal and face what is it that we're actually afraid of. And and this works both ways. This can be not just things that the teenager doesn't like, but things that they do like. I mean, I feel like my childhood was rather restricted in in some ways. And I think I go, I overcompensate by not restricting my own children. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part. <clears throat> come 3, 4 a.m., it's time to go to bed. But, you know, that's probably way too late. You know, realistically, you know, on a school night, midnight's probably a more reasonable time to go to bed, but... I I mean, yes, but that is if you look at the point. Is, is your job still right now to instill a set of rules based on reasonableness or based on pain body that is associated with reasonableness. Right. And I totally see that that there is a part of me that goes, oh, I felt restricted. I don't want my children to feel restricted. So not necessarily anything goes, but 
it is more lax than certainly most people. Yeah. Yeah, but but most people' behavior, so most parents' behavior, you know, in this case, you being so lax, is there as a coping, you know, as a coping mechanism for you to deal with not wanting them to live through whatever it is that you know, you lived through or my parents lived through and right. they're trying to shield me from that. Right. I think that's how all, all parents are. And it almost I think it flip flops from generation to generation. Oh, I felt I felt whatever, scared or poor or whatever I felt in my childhood. And I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure my children don't feel that. And so it almost flip flops the other way. And then that generation's like, oh my gosh, I, I felt like I had no structure and no rules and I've oh, I'm gonna make sure that my children have, have a structured life. And it I think that there's this almost this flip-flop that can happen generation to generation where every generation overcompensates for whatever their particular scenario was to the opposite for for their children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in essence, I guess at the core, we have like our own unique version of pain or trauma or karmic life to process, right? And so the flip-flop is there just by the nuance of your particular karmic fulfillment or your particular pain body that you need to process. I will give an example on my end, right? My my dad um, had his parents become divorced at age of five, I think it was, maybe three or five, I don't remember, to where his trauma was associated with the feeling that his father abandoned him, right? No. You know, as a child, you don't realize that, you know, you don't know any details. The only thing you know is dad is no longer there and mom is raising me on her own and I hardly see dad. And so you feel abandoned by dad, right? And it's easy to go, and that's somehow my fault, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So in his case, his personal pain body really identify and set in with the idea that. I am not a good son. I am not worthy. I am not good enough. Because basically, the uh, what would be uh, the the role model of my life, right? That the person who's supposed to accept me and be there for me, especially if you're a boy, having your father leave, is not there for me, right? And so. My my father's pain body was completely and is still completely associated with the fact that he's not worthy and abandoned by the male caretaker in his. So that approval and that like male to male bonding did not exist because his father abandoned him, right? And so because of that right it it literally defined him as a human being and he's still till this day i believe defined by it i think he will admit to it so if he listens to this this is not a shock to him um and so in that case because he spent no time processing how deep that pain was and then spent time letting go of really a false definition that the the particular situation of why the mother and the father got divorced, it was actually, that was the right thing to do. Right. Like based on the story that I heard from my grandmother last time I talked to her was 
that was the right thing to do. And I think she was kind of like halfway on her, you know, morphine deathbed. <laughs> and so she needed to confess of why she did that. And so her confession was this true story that she had no business marrying that man to begin with. She was forced into this marriage. They were forced to have children because, you know, in Ukraine, you needed to be signed in in somebody's apartment in order to live in a particular city. And the only way you can sign in is to marry. And so it's like the whole situation was like no love. There was no love and it was just total crap. But so, you know, the fact that she had balls to divorce this man and then move on and find someone who actually suits her is was the right thing to do. But, you know, again, my dad at the age of five couldn't possibly process right, that. Right. And so to him, it was just the most defining moment of his life was him growing up one being abandoned without a real father and then the man who came into his life then to take over that role honestly was never accepted by him or never even had a chance because at the core my dad lived through his pain body of being an abandoned boy right and i think that probably that accept not acceptance were when ended up going both ways possibly because of that yes right so yeah and i so it would be good so from this point, you and I can also kind of like chime in to our pain bodies later and at the core of what that means is, but I'll finish this story. So from this particular standpoint, the reason I bring this up is because to him, it was the most devastating event of his life and really kind of like positioned life worth of crap and and, and bullshit and his own personal um, like self-deprecating feelings about what he's worth. Right, his net worth got determined by that, and so the type of jobs he could get and he would try to get, guess what, were limited. Right, the type of what he wanted, what he ended up accomplishing out out of life was limited. And then on my end, what came through was mom and dad had a volatile, not physically volatile, but argumentatively volatile relationship to where there was a lot of arguing when I grew up. And I did not realize that arguing was not normal. And so to me- well, Not healthy. Not it may, healthy. It may be normal, but it's not healthy. Not healthy, right. And so to me, just like this idea that yelling, and I say this, coming to United States also like shined a different light on it. Because the amount of aggression and yelling that comes through in a, in a like a Slavic or a Russian language is very, um, like intense, but like our, Se second only to German. Yeah, yeah, I think. <laughs> but we, you, you laugh at. Oh, there you go. See, they're switching. We need two poops. Um, she's out there. She's trying to look out the door. Oh yeah, wait. We have we have cat poops next to us, so they don't comment or laugh too much. I don't think but. Yeah, it's not it's visible. But I think she's see she's contemplating. Yeah, there you go. She is kind uh, of. Go. I don't want the poof. I want daddy. And yeah, and so, oh yeah. The the side the side note is, R Russian language, it, when when heard by a foreigner, especially a foreigner whose whose language is a little bit softer, just the regular everyday speech pattern comes through as aggressive. Aggressive. Yeah. Second only to German. Yeah. You can order a, you can have someone order a, order a salad in German. You think they're cursing you out. <laughs> yeah. But Russian has that tendency as well. It, it sounds, it sounds harsh. Yeah. To, the language itself, to, even normal speech. Yeah. Especially to, to an, 
English-speaking ear, it sounds very harsh. Or it can, if, especially if there's some uh, emotion behind it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so when he gets emotional, there's a lot of energetic upbringing, right? So the language carries huge charge as it is. Yeah. And then when somebody starts yelling, the charge like multiplies. Like my, like our kids cannot stand my parents and I, or even just my parents themselves, arguing in Russian because it is yeah. just so traumatizing. I, I wonder, I mean, there's a lot of consonants in Russian that we just don't have in English, or at least are very rare in English. The z and the z, harsh. The, the and German all, has that too. And they're yeah, and so it sounds extra foreign, for lack of a better term. You but know. but harsh too, like hard. Like, <laughs> yeah, the 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 rolled R's and stuff. It's R, like, yeah, I cannot roll. We just my don't R's have that in English, so it does sound really weird. And with emotion behind it, it sounds extra aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say that most of the time their normal speech is actually not aggressive. But when the yelling starts, it becomes extremely aggressive. And so I will point this out. Maybe interestingly, this is something I can process is the energetic influx with that language and the yelling that comes out of it creates a huge swirl of energy. Like that that's probably something to to actualize and process just on its own. So why 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 oh yeah, so so anyway. My, so, so I, I, like we sidetracked, but my father's idea behind a marriage that could potentially be broken and should be resulted in divorce or whatever, you know, I don't, you know, whether or not their marriage needed to result in divorce or not, I am not the one to say that, but there was a lot of yelling and they almost got divorced once and he like lived somewhere else for what seemed like forever, but I think they told me it was like a month or two or something, but but his idea to have his child, right, grow up without a father was not even an option. Well, built into that is the assumption that a divorce equals growing up without a father. But his did. His, maybe his did, which is, is also, is unfortunate. But... It is possible to have a divorce and have both parents be very present in children's life. That is, divorce does not equal, I never see dad. Yeah, but. Necessarily. That's the nuance and detail that is almost irrelevant. The abandonment that was set in by the fact that the father left and was not there before age of you know, seven at five yeah. to where he cannot even process the, the details behind like what a normal divorce is, what a divorce is not. Like he doesn't understand any of it. And the only thing he knows is dad is no longer there for me. Dad doesn't love me. And that's it. And so to, for him to, to actually actualize like, oh yeah, you know, I could still be there for my daughter if we get divorced or in my particular instance, the dad's new wife hated the fact that he had a child with someone else and hated the ex-wife. And so the, because in that instance, he did not have a relationship with the father because the wife, the new wife didn't allow it. Right. Was just this like tiny little nuance, but to him, that was his truth and the truth he couldn't unravel. Right. And so your dad <clears throat> almost went 180 degrees, no matter what 
I'm not going to put my child through that. Yes, right. But without so without processing anything, even as an adult going away, why do I feel this way? The only thing he knew and possibly knows right now is not having a father is so bad dot, 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 never actually go into, wait, what is the set of pain bodies that's set within me that mm-hmm. actually makes it that truth? Um, to to instead, to instead, I will never put my child, in this case me, through this, period, right? And so anytime I would say, wait, maybe your marriage should have <laughs> like not been, like you guys are killing each other through this yelling, right? And I have said that to them many times. Uh, and then they're like, yes, but there's no other alternative. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Just separating. And you could have at any point within, I think they've been married for almost 50 years now. Right. I mean. No, I'm not saying they should have gotten divorced. Right. But the idea behind divorce was just right. not even there. Be- solely because of I will not leave my daughter without right. her father. I mean, I can wrap my head around the idea, oh, my dad left and so i just don't want that for my child i get that but what that is is not counting at all is oh my mom and dad were always fighting do i want that do i want that for my children yeah yeah yeah. right so and so yeah so right so through that unprocessed pain body what i guess what the point is is you don't see the other flip this the other side of the coin of what that brings right yeah and it, it doesn't have to bring that. It's not like those no, are the only two options. No, but that's the thing. In this but case, you're blind. It, it happened. To, it happened to bring that, and there was no, no thought into, is this better? Yeah. Right. Well, maybe. Maybe not. I mean, I, who am not, I to say? But to think of alternatives or whether or not this would be an option or be better was not even right. So when a parent is completely blind to their pain body and is refusing to process that detail, that nuance. They will not, right? So this is just it because I told you so, or this is just the way things are, or I will never do this, or you can never do that. Anytime it's that harsh of a statement, that harsh of a rule, it is because there's a pain body under there that they're not processing. That is, in this case, right, me as a teenager, and it's still into my adulthood, right? I was growing up with that is... As, as re, on the reflective end of it, of, of what that plays out to me, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what parents, when they're not addressing why is that, you know, all the stuff that has happened to them and then taking time to process and, and possibly go through therapy or possibly go through meditation or actualization of like, why do I feel this? Like why, if I have a daughter and I think she, you know, if she does this, you know, she's, a bad human being. Why? Right. Why? Why? Why do I think that? Is she actually a bad human being? Or that action reminds me of something that made me feel like total shit when I was her age. And I don't want her to feel that. And so I will actually take the most rudest statement possible and 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 call her by that name. To shock her into it. To shock her into this like, yeah, what in this case, submission to to revolt back from that action. Yeah. Right. But but taking time to go, why do I want to call my daughter by that? Because in the long run, sooner or later, you regret that statement. And I'm hoping in that moment, you take time and go, what caused me to do that? Right. What caused me to overreact? 
And what's the pain body behind that overreaction? Because every overreaction on the parent's end, especially if it's significant to the point where you're having some sort of, you know, broken relationship with your teenage child or any age child, is there because you're not processing some sort of deep wound that 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 poked, that yeah. stirred. Yeah. So. Yeah, I say that. Should I should I bring in my my the wound that I got stirred or just or just the other day? Yeah. I was gonna ask you wanted to bring that in. <laughs> I'm still processing it, but it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will bring it in. That is. This is honest and unfiltered and, and very topical. And so, yeah. So the other day, uh, our someone, someone. Uh, our someone. Our someone <laughs> uh, brought out to me that somebody else, someone referred to, well, no, how, well, I don't want to over-exaggerate the story. Someone said that, oh, your mom uses uh, or has crystals or uses uses crystals in a maybe healing type of modality. Um, but that's in in that's you know in the Bible that's witchcraft. Does that kind of sum it up? Yeah, yeah. So, and then well, and so I, I, oh, go ahead. The 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 reason why. I even found out about it is because our our amazing teenagers um, gaming room is below our bedroom. And at some point at like one or two o'clock in the morning, I get woken up because he's actually, I can tell very angrily trying to argue with someone out loud, I guess on Discord, I'm assuming. So he's going to be upset that I bring this whole detail in, but you know, it is just life. Uh, and so I get woken up. I'm like, wow, he's really upset about something. Like I, he's, he, and he's so easygoing. So I never even usually saw him this upset. And so I'm like, oh, I need to bring this up and ask him about it in the morning. Um, because this, this would be, you know, something that I don't, I don't want him to be upset. And this is potentially something with me. Everything is potential pain body that you can release. So I'm like, maybe I can help him release some pain body. <laughs> I've been <laughs> I've been known to self. Uh he he verbalizes this and he basically spent his time, you know, argue, let's say trying to argue, but right, trying in that case, trying to defend that his mother is not a witch. <laughs> right. Now, I don't think you were ever specifically called a witch. No. That was so the, there's the I don't action know, that's a behind the fact that there. I am into crystals. Right. And the and uh, somewhere in the Bible. And I, it looked like it was in the Old Testament, which, you know, while we're at it, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah. But beyond that, the, um, and it doesn't, I don't think it mentions crystals specifically. It's, you know, talismans or, or lucky, lucky charms that are, that have people believe have healing powers. Well, only God has the healing power. So that is, um, occulty type stuff and witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. And the de and the thing is, the detail of it actually didn't matter. Right. And and the reason why it was said is because everybody, I will say everybody, so I'm not picking anyone here in specific, but everybody 
starts fights and arguments and starts name calling because there's a pain body being stirred within them, right? It is just bigger than that. And that and so your your personal not looking in causes you to then outburst onto someone else because that pain is so deep within you and you're refusing to address it or refusing to look in. And then what you do is as a teenager, right? Then this is another thing to point out. You 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 lash it out onto right. someone else or right. something else or a concept or an idea. Right. It's a way of like releasing that pr- pressure. Not it, it's, you're releasing the pressure without actually realizing what is it that is causing the pressure. Yeah, it's, it's that it's that avoidance of the truth that is actually hurting you on the inside and using this outside excuse as something that you can lash out of in order to. Pretend like you feel better. Right. Right. So like, example, like why all the protests, political protests happen, right? Why all the, right? Most of the people who do those, a lot of times don't necessarily even believe in the concept. Or if you do believe in the concept, the pain behind that concept is actually not even the concept itself. It's something that is digging deeper than that. And then you find this protest or you find this thing to speak out upon to defend your position because what you're actually doing at the core is not addressing what is really hurting you. So anyway, so they brought that up and then... You heard about it in the morning. Yeah, I, I asked him why he was so upset, and he just like casually said this without realizing what it will do to me. Wait, why, why did I bring this up? What was the point behind this? This that it triggered your pain body. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and so in that case, right? What it triggered for me was an enormous pain body <laughs> that I'm still processing right now. Um, and the pain body itself was geared around the fact that you know, I'm being called something, right? In this case, a witch, right? Uh, And let's say they didn't even call me a witch, but it was just enough to trigger the pain body, which what I want to point out is each parent has an opportunity to, to explore their pain body because it's being triggered all the time, right? In this case, literally by my son. My son is bringing something to me that is allowing me to release, right? So... I thank him for it, and he got confused. <laughs> he thought I was being sarcastic. <laughs> uh, and so that, <laughs> no, but right, that's funny. Because yeah, yeah. most parents will not, I don't know. I don't know what most parents will do. So in that case, one, it was not personal in the sense that the two individuals that called me a witch, and it's not on them. So I love you guys if you're listening, despite that. So I thank you for it because on my end, what it brought up was this huge influx. And I still, still start to cry that being a witch, and I remember in my past life feeling that. So I don't know if I was a witch or if I was a daughter of a witch. And I, it, I feel like a daughter of a witch was something that was more applicable. And it was... That we are being rejected for the essence of us. For who you are. For who I am, right? So the first thing that came up was rejection that at the core. The, so I'm being rejected at the core for being simply who I am. 
And that was a huge pain body. I mean, like I started, I went into the bedroom, into my meditation room and I just started like crying and I went, oh my gosh, I have so much influx coming out of this that it was just too, 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 like too much to handle. I was even saying, oh my gosh, this is so much, this is so much. But then at the same time, my higher self was like, no, there's just like, let's run with this. <laughs> and so anytime that the tears come out, that is a perfect opportunity just to run into that pain body. But and with me, you know, it, it gets intense. And so I ran with it all the way through. So it was rejection and feeling unsafe. And because I was a child in that situation, that took me right back into this lifetime when I'm a child in this situation and, the situ and I feel unsafe in Ukraine, right? Not, not, you know, I don't, you know, there was not nothing in specific at the time. There was no war. Um, and then there was no, you know, there was a war in Afghanistan, I guess that started, but I don't know if that played into it. You know what I mean? There was no actual harm, like right. physical, that I can point to. Just unsafe, to. just due to the everyday circumstances, it, not yeah, it was it was violent like, in particular. Yeah, like benign. Benign, is that the right word? Yeah. It, oh, that, yeah, I guess. Right? So it was not like harsh till you were go, oh, well, yeah, you're in the war zone and therefore, you, so it's yeah. not that big. More chronic. Yeah, it was, but it was just like, just enough to where I'm constantly unsafe. Like from, from, Lack of, maybe lack of food, maybe lack of, maybe someone might steal something, maybe. Yeah, yeah, somebody would take something. Our house was almost taken from us. There was an idea that somebody could, you know, I, I don't know, maybe the food was not taken, but we just didn't have food. But yeah, the idea was something could be taken from you, right? Like you were always on some sort of a defense to to defend your territory, to defend your whatever. It was just really, and I realized that, actually, probably a week before this, I realized that I have this current of tension just run within me because of the way I was brought up right before the age of seven. Like, oh, we don't have enough. There's lack. There's there's not enough food. There's potential for not enough food. There is, uh, you know, like somebody could take your house away. Oh my gosh, there's no electricity. Oh my gosh, there's no water. Oh, you can't take a shower or, you know, and there's just like, if you imagine nothing big, but just a little thing all the time as your constant life, you're basically graying in yourself into this like constant mode of, yeah. Uh, was, what is it? Cortisol? Cortisol, yeah. Cortisol, right? Like my cortisol levels are always running so high because I'm always on some point of vigilance. Yeah, stress. Yeah, yeah. I'm always stressed out. <laughs> I caught your tail. She caught her tail. Catch it. Get it. Right. Yeah, and so as a child, you can't process that. You can't right. process the fact that you're in stress mode all the time. And if it's happening during those first seven years, that just, you know. It's devastating. Guess what? You've got a life of stress now. Yeah. Right, and it kind of ingrained the system of stress. And so when I was releasing this witchcraft brought on pain body, I realized it's the rejection and then feeling of unsafety, right? And then, and then what came up through that is when, you, when I felt unsafe enough for a very, very long time, right? We watched something else recently that said that you can be in the victim mode or you can be in, what did he call it? Like basically like take charge mode, right? But the t the victim mode is like, oh. Life's happening to me. Life's happening to me. And so like you almost like in this give up mode to where like, oh, you know, 
you can't control things. Yeah. So you know, it, hopelessness. You, yeah, you have no control. The world, the world, the universe. You're at the whim of the universe. Yeah. And other people, and and whatever, and you know, if anything good happens, it's not your fault. It's not because you did something. If anything bad happens, it's it's not your fault either. It's just, oh, I lost my job because whatever. Or I got my job because whatever. But it has nothing to do with you. Yeah, but it almost sets in this feeling of hopelessness. Right, right? Disempowered. Disempowerment, yeah. Disempowerment comes in. And so what I realize is being brought up from an early age, not due to anyone's fault, due to the circumstances of the country, in this environment where where I'm in constant fear mode, sits in this disempowerment, right? But based on the nature of my personality and possibly the nature of like, well, heck, if you are continuing to be in the point of disempowerment in Soviet Ukraine, you don't make it. And so the only option to survive was to go into the other mode, which was control or let's say pretense of control. Right. The hustle mode. The hustle. Yeah, yeah. The hustle. And the hustle is like, I'm in charge. I will save myself. And and I thought, oh my gosh, in the first episode, we talked about the 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 horse, the knight in shining armor. I think we finally knight, got that knight right. Knight in shining armor. Knight in shining armor, right? The white and, knight on the white horse. On the shining armor. The shining right? armor. And and I realized, oh, I thought I did not need that. And I don't remember if I said this in an episode, but in my crying meditative release state, I realized the reason why I never needed that is because I overcompensated for it with, fuck the night, I'm getting on the fucking horse and I'm saving myself. I'm my own night. Yeah, right? And so that is how the overcompensation for the pain body of constant stress and unsafety feels like. And so I don't know if most women go there, but that, so that I think instead of looking at it as two different things, it's almost like the polar opposite of each other. You can be hopeless and hopeless and in stress, or you can pretend to have sense of control and still be in stress. (laughs) But both of them are in honesty, the exact same situation. You're just putting a different label on it. Right, you're feeling disempowered here. You're feeling disempowered here, but you're hiding the fact that you're feeling disempowered, and you're running around trying to exercise control in order not to feel like shit. Right. Yeah. And so I realized that was at the core of my entire upbringing, to the point where I'll bring this up. I had I had this dream when I was very young, like maybe four or five, maybe five or six, where, and it was it was one of the most vivid dreams that I remember from my childhood. And so thus it stuck with me. And I'm playing across the street of our house in the yard, which I I often played there with like grass. You know, I joke with my kids that I didn't have toys. I had sticks and dirt and mud. And so in this case, I'm actually playing with sticks and, and grass and flowers, whatever it is. And down the hill comes this man. But now I realize he's like an energetic being. And he does not look like Ukrainian human being. Like I look at him and he is of some other descent, like possible Middle Eastern. Um, I don't know. 
And he comes to me and he's tall and I have had him in my dreams many, many times. And he, in the, so I cannot, I will never be able to describe this because this is a dream. So it's a feeling he's there next to me and I can feel his energetic presence of total safety, like total protection. And he tells me, I will save you. I will always save you. And so I'm going to start crying right now. But to me, as a six-year-old, that was the only thing I can hold on to because I didn't feel safe. I'm going to try not to cry. You might have to start talking in order to, to give me a moment. <laughs> Are you going to start crying too? No, I'm not sure what to add. No, no. And so I, I, there's not much, but the the tears that were coming out when I was being called a witch was the essence of that. It was, I am unsafe, right? Because I remember being so unsafe, both from my previous lifetime as a child and from this lifetime as a child. And the witch thing was like the, the epitome of why somebody would feel unsafe, right? Like quite literally, because I remember being prosecuted or my mother being prosecuted for the fact that she's different, right? And then honestly, it was just to use an excuse to to control to you know yeah, to yeah. for men to control women or to suppress women out of power. Um, but that propagates into this lifetime, and so I realize I am born into this lifetime with that still as an active pain body. Like that is still my pain body from the past that is there today, and in this lifetime I came in to fulfill or to continue that role. And the feeling of unsafety is so large then that I bounce between feeling unsafe and denying it to myself, right? Not processing that unsafety out of my body and then going to the flip side where I, I have pretense control where I'm the knight on the horse and I'm saving myself. But still not processing it. Still not processing, right? So so those are the two modes. Both of them are the same pain body. It's just in the moment, depending you, on how I feel. Are you going too far this way or are you going too far that way? Yeah. No, with me, I would never go into the, the, the what is, the, the give up mode, right? The hopeless mode. Like sometimes, so the second I see myself go into the hopeless mode where I could start to address the pain body, I would automatically shut it off and go, fuck this shit. Sorry. <laughs> And and then I would I would become you know jump on the horse and yield my sword and whatever flaming, flaming sword of truth yeah right and so flaming sword of denial denial right and so my life remember how we recently like discovered what your karmic path where your pain body large pain body releases I realized is this this feeling that I am at all times unsafe. And I straddle that world between wanting to want someone to rescue me or trying to rescue myself. <laughs> Back and forth. And so the life that played out for you and I as a married couple has been through that lens. Yeah. Through the lens of every single situation you and I were ever in was a proof to me that there is no one out there to rescue me. And so I have to rescue myself. Both of both of the opposites are complete baloney, and at the core is I feel unsafe. Right, and feeling unsafe, you have to 
exert this control in order to pretense of control. Yeah, yeah the illusion of control. In order to calm down. In order to to pacify. To pacify the influx of pain that yeah. I feel inside yeah. about being unsafe from you know before let's say before seven if you if you follow um Jesuit's quote. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that it's that control or rather the illusion of control that is it's I think it's just there to pacify what we're trying not to feel. What we're trying not to feel. Yeah. And so basically everything that you're trying to control in your life, I'm trying to control my money. I'm trying to control, you know, make sure the house doesn't burn down. I'm trying to control this, trying to control that. Well, I've got this fear of of losing it. I've got this fear of whatever. Yeah. Perception, right? I'm trying to control how I'm perceived. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the big one. Yeah. Got to. That's how it was on your end. I need to drive a. Yeah. Well, you know, but yes, yes, it was. But you know that like the stereotypical way. I've got to have a certain job. I've got to have a certain suit. I've got to drive a certain car so that people will see me and think good about me. Well, because you feel like shit about yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are the, those are the ways that one can <laughs> try to control yeah. other people's thoughts. Yeah, which is like the dumbest thing in the world <laughs> if you just sit there and think about it what other people think <laughs> but it feels really important you're scaring the kitty cats when you're in the depths of your pain body it feels really important and it feels like oh if they look at me a certain way then maybe i can look at me that way too me i can look at myself that way too it's a sales pitch to you yeah you're selling yourself on the idea yeah. and you need other people you think you need other people to validate that for yourself. Right. Like if, oh, if they think that I am distinguished and, and and I'm rich or well off or have a perfect family or drive a perfect car and look, oh my gosh, she just has the most perfect life. Uh, whatever that is. Right. That really she good sounds one. like that, right? She also sounds like that. Oh my God. <laughs> That's my birthday. Right. And so that that is a cry out for help that you're not allowing yourself to hear. Right. Your own cry for help that yeah. you're not allowing yourself to hear. And and beyond that, no amount of fancy cars or suits or jobs or houses or whatever will ever truly satisfy it. Mm-hmm. There'll always be, oh, it'll either be, well, okay, I okay, I got that, but I still don't feel it, so I need the next one. And you'll Yeah. Sometimes too great you know, ostensible success, you know, work your way up to the to the top of a, of your field or your career or, you know, awards and recognition and all that. You know, that's, that happens. Yeah, I mean, but we that, talked about that on two episodes ago, I think. Yeah, but that's not necessarily healthy. Yeah. No, but all control, and from, so from this point, let's tie back to the kids. Yeah. All control of parents imposed onto the child is there because they are trying to shield them from that happening to them because right now they are not recognizing that they feel like total shit within themselves about that happened to them when they were kids. Right. And that's it. That There's nothing to it. So, so from that standpoint, you know, the, the valid question would be, well, what can I do as a teenager from that situation? Right, because let's be honest, you feel stuck. Tell your parents to subscribe. 
<laughs> and give us five stars. <laughs> um, what can you do as a teenager? Right. Wait it out. At 18, you can leave. But right, but at the same then time... Then you have control. But this... <laughs> At the same time, what that will do is that will forever destroy the relationship right. of that teenager with the parent if they're fleeing the house because their life there is total shit. Right. Right. You're fleeing the situation where your parent is not listening to you. You I, don't have a voice. You don't even see the reason behind their bullshit. I, fl- I, I fled as quick as I could. Yeah. And they don't actually see the teenager. The, the parents don't see their own bullshit. That is right. what it will come down to. So what can you do? Option one, I don't know. I don't I know if this is even an option. Like to some kids, this would not even be an option. Is to actually have this conversation with the parent. Right. Why, Why are you so gung-ho about yeah. this particular rule or this particular thing? Or why is this a thing? Right. And instead of them giving, well, you know, I, you have to, you have to study really hard, you know, here, here's probably a common one. You have to, you have to get good grades. Yeah. Which, yes, it is true that if you get good grades, you will, good grades are probably a statistical predictor of a, a better, in air quotes, job in the future and more income and all that. That is probably true. But why are you so gung-ho about that That I have to, you know, study and do homework and everything at the expense of, let's say, a social life? Well, at the expense of, to the point where if I don't have a good grade, I get punished. Yeah, even worse. There you go. Right. I yeah. get punished, which, guess what, brings on more stress more to stress the teenager. More stress and more anxiety. And the- you know what doesn't make you good at taking tests? Yeah. Stress. If you if every time a child is taking a test and they're sitting there at the fear that if they do not do good on this test, they will come home and you will punish them, the chances of them doing good on the test goes down by at least 20 to 25%. Hands <laughs> back. Yeah. Right. And so so the rhetoric there is it is not I have to do good. I have to do good or else. Right. There's fear it's, of there's, retribution. There's, so they're living in that same fear that I describe as a child of just being in the stress mode all the time. A parent who's forcing their child to always have good grades and then, then in fact instill some sort of punishment on top is raising that child with that level of stress, right. of Te- unsafety, it, of fear. School and tests are already stressful enough. Yeah. The, list, the last thing you need to do is Every, instill all the more. Kids, they all want to do good. I say all. Almost every kid wants to do good. They want to get the best grade they possibly can. It's not that they're, you know, doing bad on purpose. They also want to do well. Yeah. But where we veered off is when they force that you have to have good grade, Right the energy and the charge behind that and the fact that you would go out of your way and punish someone for a bad grade is because that parent within them is struggling with their own self-esteem and perception of them and how good they look and how good they come across both as a family but more so importantly as I, as a parent, mother or father, whoever it might be. If my child gets bad grades, that reflects bad on me. 
No, but the truth is, I think I'm total shit. And I don't want my son or daughter to be the exact same thing. And so them having good grades will somehow shield them from being in the position that I am or I was. Maybe they didn't get good grades, right? And then therefore they will not be on the same road, same path of life that I ended up and I'm saving them from the torture that I'm living in right now. It's it's what, it's like your your father with the... Yeah. I'm going to do what I can to protect my child from my experience of of not having a father. Overcompensating for it in every way possible. I'm going to protect my child from what I... I maybe didn't get get good grades, or maybe you know didn't get into the school, or didn't get the job, or whatever it is. Yeah. And you can kind of have some sort of faint dotted line back to grades at least. So, gosh darn it, my kid's going to get good grades, so they don't have to go through what I went through. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like good grades means having more opportunities in life. So if the parents felt like they had less opportunities in right. life, that therefore determined them to be less than, right? Or they feel like less yeah. than or rejected or not accepted, or they could have had a better career, or they could have been perceived better. All of that gets yeah. tied in into this idea of right. grades. America and, has really yeah. emphasized that. I mean, it's it can be a really hazy dotted line that connects it back to grades. Oh, well, I... I didn't go to the college I wanted to go to because I didn't have good enough grades. And I met, you know, your father at that college. And I wish I had met someone else at a nicer college. It could be, it could be yeah, really yeah. contrived. Yeah, yeah. It's very contrived. But it, that's the thing is. But, it, you know, you can kind of figure, okay, well, if I had gotten better, if only I had gotten better grades in high school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then maybe. Yeah. And there, you know, in high school, your self-esteem is being built on that uh, outside validation, like a teacher doing good, and then, or, or you going to a school, and then the te- you doing good, and the teacher gives you good grades, right? Like the system, like it, it reinforces this yeah, validation yeah. of like, oh, you get A's and B's, and then this person gets D's, so they're they're not as good, right? So that within itself, like they don't have D's anymore. Oh, did you, did you know that? Well, I mean, some schools have D's. It's Maybe just some schools, our our schools, schools don't have, yeah. straight A B C F. Once again, you scared me. I'm too loud. Um, no, you're not loud enough, but but the cat gets us get scared. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah. And so, right, and so to them, the parent, to you, it looks like, well, why are they being unreasonable? What's the, such a big deal? But realize as a teenager, to the parent, there is a ginormous pain body behind the importance of why having that A in math is so damn important to the point to them, it's like life or death. Right, like your life will be destroyed if you don't get an A in math, and you're like, wait, what? Like that doesn't even what? Like why does this even matter? Like in in two years, I wouldn't even know. Right, like it doesn't even matter. But to them, it is just because it it's like digging so deep. Right, to me, the statement about crystals was just it's a minor thing. It doesn't even matter, but it struck at that pain body of guess what? I'm unsafe. Right, I am on. Un- if I'm rejected, I am unsafe. And when I'm unsafe, there's nothing that can rescue me or save me. And that was the pain body, right? And so all of the nuances, all of the rules, all of the points of control actually come out of that pain body. So if you're as a teenager and you're experiencing your parents' unprocessed trauma, one is 
and then and then this would be extremely difficult. Like I know Aiden can have this conversation with us, and we are very open. But, but I still think that he's slightly afraid sometimes because yeah, he is afraid of retribution. Yeah, and I couldn't. I there's no way I could have this conversation with my parents. Yeah, I, so. especially at you know maybe now I can, but at you know a teenager. Oh no, it was a. If anything, it would have been harder as a teenager than it would have been earlier, just because of whatever was going on. Yeah, at right. that time. And so, what you're afraid of? To, so one, this, and so I say this, but it might not even be reasonable. The fear that you have as a teenager is retribution. If I actually start speaking, if I start saying something, it'll get how, worse. It will get worse than it is right now. Yeah. Right, because you're you're still trapped in that household. You're still trapped under yeah. the rules and restrictions and regulations. Or honestly, you're living under pain body of the, if you have two parents, two parents. If you have one parent, one parent. Right, and so you can't. You almost can't get away. Right, but I will say this. So if talking, if listening to this podcast and saying, "Hey, please keep an open mind and let's talk about this." I know I'm a kid, but can we have an adult conversation? Maybe just start with that and try to have that conversation. And maybe it's to say, what if it's just honest from the heart? And it's not, and and then you tell me how you feel. Like you allow your parent to tell you how they really feel. Why is it so important for them, for you yeah. not to do this or to that? And this isn't a logic thing. I mean, yeah, that, this that, is a, that's a separate conversation. Okay, I get a B. Walk me through how this is the end of the world. I mean, that... That is a separate conversation, but that's not what we're talking about. No, but but if the, you start with that, I gave it a B, why is it the end of the world? Maybe sooner or later, you will go, okay, well, then I don't get into good college. Okay, and if I don't get into good college, then what? I don't get a good job. And you don't get a good job, then what? Then you're not as well off in the world. And if I'm not as well off in the world, then you're poor, right? And then you get a bad husband. And then, you know, I, I don't know. You die right? alone. You die alone. Well, whatever it is, right? There's this body of fear that is being held on your parents' end. So if you feel disempowered and you feel like you cannot bring this up to the parent, right? The, meaning in this case, you are living in this household and you cannot change the rules and the, there's, the parent will just, right? There, there will be some people who are just not open like this to honest, deep down- right. Because it hurts. And there and there are some, you know, even if they are, you know, there are some rules that you will be unsuccessful in changing. Yeah. I mean, some, some like, I will, I will, Aiden sometimes ask us for weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, like, oh, you know, can I, like, when, the, when he had friends over and they wanted to go into the nature preserve by themselves at two o'clock in the morning. Or one o'clock yeah. in the morning, right? Yeah, that's just not a good idea. Yeah, like, I, I yes, <laughs> that, that, I know there's a pain body that I think something will happen to you when you yeah. go to the woods alone in the dark. That, that's on the same level of, can I go play in the busy street to me? It's like, that's just not safe. Yeah, going into the woods at one o'clock in the morning. Where we know there have been abductions. Yeah, there have been abductions there, and who knows what else, right? right. Yes, I can feel my pain body coming up because I was almost abducted as a child, and, you know, and then, you know, the the sex abuse that could happen to it. And I know they're boys and they're teenagers. So if anything, you know, right. they're not at the subject yeah. of, the, of the of the pedophiles. Three or, three, three or four, you know, sizable Yeah, ma- But at the children. same time, it's just, there's just general safety, right. safety logic. Even though it may sit in the pain body, let's, let's just not do that. I think there's a, there's a distinction between, you know, you don't have to be afraid but you do have to be careful. 
And that is one of those things that is like, that's just not careful. What in the world? Um, this is might be an, an interesting uh, overtake, but the dresser that you have behind you is Babalita's dresser. And that thing that you have on it, it just moved and like flopped open oh, yeah? for no reason. And then, so I think she sees something there. I And I feel something there, so. If this is not going to justify the witchcraftness, I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> you you can feel presence of beings and not necessarily uh, be a witch. <laughs> okay, she's just. I know there's some there's somebody there. So yeah, and you know cats have extrasensory perfect per, uh, perception anyway. Perfection. When, uh, perfection. 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 She's perfect. Um, I get I get detoured. Uh, be, being careful you know you don't have to be afraid like you know you don't have to be afraid of crossing the street but you do have to be careful you know yeah being afraid of something isn't going to do anybody any good yeah fear is not great yeah and I would not but mind him going hiking in the woods at one o'clock in the morning when he's you know older but at that age especially I, with someone who's you know who I'm, we're kind of taking care of that you know, yeah, putting it's, the, putting it's our them, responsibility. Yeah, and putting them in dangerous situations or allowing yeah. them to go into a dangerous I, situation just wasn't it. I'm a reasonably sized adult man, and I wouldn't want to go walking through the, the woods at night. That just, no. it seems just uncareful. It's like, <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm not really afraid of getting raped or even mugged in general, but I'm not, I don't, you know, ah, that alley looks a little sketchy. Let's go to the next one. It's just being careful. Yeah. I know I was almost kidnapped and raped during the day. There, it was just daylight. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's like, why are you adding more danger in? Yeah, but it it is it is. There's a subtle difference between being afraid and just being careful. Yeah. That so, I, I so yeah. So what yeah. we're talking about is not necessarily like no. I will say this. Some of these things that the parents will instill as rules do still lie in the pain body, but but there has to be this like threshold of like you as an adult, right, as a teenager, using your brain and go, okay, well, where my parents are coming from? This is this a pain body or is this just caution, right? Yeah, and you kind of have to, you almost have to like right. not not ask for a weird thing, but to see where where the instance right. is coming from. And you know, I mean, depending on what it is, you might be able to mitigate. That caution. Okay, well, can I go at into the woods at nine o'clock and be back by ten o'clock? Yeah, well, maybe that's maybe that's a compromise between going at two a.m. <laughs> we were talking about going know. into the dark woods <laughs> as a, as like as a definition. That's fine. Uh, I, I guess I used to go into the woods in Ukraine during the day, and my parents didn't really want me to, but I would anyway. Well, I mean, there's, but, but there's there, but there if, were, you know, in Ukraine there were you know more things that could happen. Right. I mean, if you're going to snatch a child, the woods is probably a good place to do it. Or construction sites. Or construction sites. I mean, <laughs> That's where they almost get snatched. I mean, you know, no, one, no one's around to hear you scream, I guess. No. No. Uh, so yeah, you know, if there's some sort of negotiation, maybe. Yeah. No, so yeah, I wanted, so I wanted to continue the, the idea. So talk, if talking is not an option, right, Honest talking, not like 
you are not having a voice and they're continuing to domineer and, and, and over over control you, right? If that open heart conversation is not there and you're feeling disempowered, there's not much you can do. I mean, you can you can try to grow right. an idea of a voice. You can try to have more and more conversation right. and, and allow yourself to have more power. I mean, it, I think it would be, if, if you're in that situation, I was in that situation. Um, it would be valuable to try to convey how how disempowered this situation makes you feel. And it isn't, and give me everything that I want. I want to, you know, go into the woods at 2 a.m., give me that. It isn't that. It's, I don't, I don't feel that you either hear me or you're even letting me express what I feel. I, you know, I feel like it is, you know, you're saying it's it's my way or the highway, and the highway isn't even an option. It's my way, period. Um, and you're 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 not even open to a conversation. Not an even not even negotiation. You're not even open to hearing me explain why I feel this way, why I want to do whatever it is, and and being and I feel like I'm being oppressed, suppressed. Yeah, both. both. And that. Yeah. And the, the goal of that conversation is not even to get what it is you want out of it. It is not to get permission to go play in the woods. It is to have a conversation so that your parents understand what you feel. Yeah. You feel disempowered, disenfranchised, you know, ign- you know, ignored to a degree. Yeah. Like, oh, my opinion doesn't matter. And that, I'm speaking from experience has lasting side effects, very negative lasting side effects into into adulthood that I still deal with to this day. Yeah. That, you know, that's not a great, maybe playing in the woods isn't, isn't a great idea. That's also not a great idea. It has maybe less visible, there's no abduction gonna happen, but less visible, but very real psychological, emotional damage can come from a parent who is unwilling to hear their child. Just how they feel. How they feel. And acknowledge their feelings. Acknowledge how they feel. Yeah. So as a teenager, start speaking. Just start. Start speaking. Maybe with the clarification is, my goal here is not to change the rules, but my goal is to tell you how I feel. Yeah. And and then maybe if you start being honest yourself and allow the feelings to flow and allow the emotions to flow, then maybe that will open the door for the parent to right. do the same. Because, you know, you would also want to understand how they feel and why, you know, and from that you can see maybe where some of these rules are, would be coming from, i.e. their pain body. Yeah, right. But, but... If, I mean, you, you would also learn more about each other which is great. Um, it would develop a better relationship better with your relationship. parents. Yeah. And, and I think your parents would probably see, oh, this person is, this person who I've looked at as a child who I need to protect with all these rules is actually blossoming into a emotional adult. Yeah. That I need to acknowledge. That I need to acknowledge. And, and that, then hear it. Hear like, it. right, it's, and, an, it's another voice in the household that now needs to be heard and, and, and expressed. Right. They they have thoughts and opinions and they and those matter and should be considered and uh, maybe maybe all this you know dot 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 maybe down the line 
all these rules that I've put in place to protect this this little baby because you know I still sometimes look at our children as as little babies even though a 9 and 16 you know he's almost as tall as me but still it's like there's this almost parental nature tendency to like just oh this is my little baby I'm gonna protect yeah him. yeah yeah you're protecting them from the world but really from the pains that you feel yeah. inside that you're not processing then that you don't want your child to go through right and you're protecting them from the world which there's something to that but at the same time a you're not going to be around forever and b the world is going to be around forever and it's going to do what it's going to do and maybe more important than protecting them from the world is enabling them to deal with the world. Well, to be able to have a voice and express and and then have an opportunity by deal, I would almost say if 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 you're raising a child and then they have zero say, they have zero leeway and then they feel disempowered, then having that child go into the world, you know, here in a little bit in two or three years into college they're at a, they're at a serious disadvantage a huge disadvantage more I, I would say more of a disadvantage than getting a b yeah <laughs> right so having your child be raised to not have a voice and not be able to speak up and not be able to have their own opinion and then be have it be validated by an adult in this case an adult that really matters to them which is a mom and dad is more harm absolutely than than anything you, i mean i i from personal than the bee. <laughs> personal experience that is absolutely true yeah and so if you're a teenager most of them are extremely advanced these days and and then those of you who are listening to me you know who i'm talking about so you guys are just incredible you can have this heartfelt conversation because you are able to hold that space into your emotional depth and into honesty. And then if if the parents such as us, our age or younger or older, who were not raised in the sense where you open openly talk about our feelings and you cry out in the front of your family or you you right, vulnerability is almost like not an option. Like especially right. for your parents' age. Yeah. Right. Like in America, vulnerability if you're fifty or seventy, so the baby boomers right now, right? That's not even an option, right? But but at the same time, that th- same thing extended to the I guess us as millennials being raised by. Well, I, I guess with me, I grew up in a different country, so I don't know on your end, right? For you, then, for them not to have emotional. Mat- I don't know if maturity is our word, but range. A, range, yeah. Then then causes them to to raise children that are limited in emotional Without, range. Yes, I have. I have a very seriously stunted emotional range. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. And, and and then it's propagated by the fact that you were not able to have a voice. Right. That, right. that like com- compounds it. Yeah. And so that, that reinforces the lack of emotional range yeah. and feeling and actualization. And then you're disempowered by the mere nature right. that this is it for you. Right. And so here I am, you know, there I was at, at, at 40 and I'm like, I feel stuff. I don't know what it is. I need to get the little emotional color color wheel chart. <laughs> that are, well, she was like in, in, in kindergarten, brought home. And it's like, do you feel angry? Do you feel sad? I'm like, 
don't know what I feel. What is it? Uh yeah, right? no, I'm, yeah, we, know, should, we should clarify that story. I was 40 and I can't, and I, and I couldn't even, I feel something. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Something, there's, there's something. Uh, Annabelle's, our, our daughter's school has like these, these awesome sessions called like coffee and conversation where they have a, a, a therapist come in. Uh, young modern day therapist, not like the olden days <laughs> therapist that allows you that that talked about em- ex- expressing of emotions and comprehending it, ch- children's emotions. And it was basically a session for the parents to come in and learn of how what if we have a child the same something, maybe what's behind it, right? What is right. the trauma behind it? What's the pain behind it? Yeah. And so I went to this meeting and then I brought this emotional wheel. Which I think is a standard practice for all therapists. So you, you can yeah. kind of look this if up. You just Google like emotion wheel or emotion color chart or emotion yeah. color wheel, something like and that. And I brought it home and Elliot started using it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, so at the center of the wheel, there's like a big pie chart, maybe like a quarter of it. And it's like angry. And under angry, it goes down into, well, are you frustrated? Do you, do you have, do you feel rage? Do you feel, and there's like dozens of these, you know, I can't even. Yeah, yeah, enumerate yeah. them all. Or do you feel sad? And well, do you feel depressed? Do you feel let down? Do you feel uh, disempowered? Do you feel? And yeah, it's like, yeah. well, okay. And it it read out this thing for for kindergartners. It helped me because it's like, oh, look at this wide range of things. You know, okay, angry can mean these twenty five things. You know, these subtle flavors of angry. You know, which is they're a little bit different. They're all yeah. But they all hold their signature. Yeah. You can see how they're related to angry or anger, but, you know, uh, rage is different from frustrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Happy. I'm sad. I'm, I'm disgusted. I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but, and I'm not saying that the circle is all encompassing. No, I think there's start. more, but it's a good start. <laughs> it's a good start. And, you know, to have you emotional go, well, it's somewhere maturity. between these two. Yeah, that's close. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, so we're off topic again, but so if if the parent if one if you can start that conversation from an honest place of this is how I feel. Can I please tell you how I feel? And then and now Make sure that the parent is receptive to listen to that, right? If the parent just shuts you down and you know you're completely shut off, there's not much you can do. I hate to say it, I, you yeah. know, maybe somebody else has a better suggestion, but I don't see, you know, you. I mean, there's you trying. There's another. Maybe there's the other parent. Sometimes that might help. If if one on one with this was, yeah, and uncles and uncle. To where you you feel like if you have if the aunt and an uncle are receptive and you can have a conversation with them, so then then they can, as an adult, have a conversation right. to your parent. Maybe I don't know. I so, don't know if like a school counselor would be helpful or not. Maybe maybe not. Yeah, but the school counselor can track back to the parent and go, "Hey, what the heck are you doing yeah. with the children? Yeah, like, they're th- not allowed th- to do that." Therapist or doctor? Yeah, I mean, but yeah, beside the therapist, but the conversation needs to be had with the parent. But right. maybe having that conversation in front of a therapist, where it is a space where you you're opening up and the parent is right there. Yeah. So that, the parent's almost forced to listen because the therapist is there holding that space. Right, and I think most therapists would agree with. With with this advice, and that uh, I think all would agree that that the children should be her children. These these you know young adults should be heard. Yeah, and, and children of course too. Yeah, 
Yeah. Now, the therapist would not say, hey, on your end, what is it that you're not working on? Because right. they're going to therapy as a family unit. But maybe maybe as a teenager, you, you can start to, to unravel and see what your parent is holding on to. Right. And if you can understand that, then you can, you know, I, in, in a perfect world, the, that parent would, would process their own stuff. But if you can, if you know, oh, well, the reason that good grades are so important is because my mother or father didn't get the job they wanted, you know, you can possibly reassure them. Not that the job market today is nothing like it was when, when I was getting a job. And, you know, so I don't know where I'm going with that. No, that's that's the perfect transition is if you're not able to have that conversation, right, you, you can start to see just by listening to this, I'm hoping you'll start to see, okay, I, I realize that my parents are coming from this pain body space and they're not able to process and then I'm not able to have yeah. this conversation. How, how can I soothe that for them? Well, no, don't don't soothe that for them. But I realize what that extension is on your end to where like, okay, maybe this is the worst case, right? Worst case is you you realize this is the circumstances of me while I'm living in this household. My parents is refusing to talk to me about it. They're refusing to be honest with their own feelings. They're refusing to process their own trauma. And then they're pushing that trauma onto me. And then I'm living my life through their pain body, right? Because that's what it is for teenagers. If worst case scenario, if you're stuck in that situation, what you can do is you can realize while I'm in this household, I will be at the mercy of this, but this does not have to identify or define me, right? I can see, okay, a mom is doing that thing again where she's living through the pain of, I don't know, not being pretty enough and the cheerleading squad denying her. And then now, you know, I have to be a cheerleader and I have to go and practice in order to basically make up for all the pain that she yeah, felt when she got rejected. All, I have to do all these things that I don't even want to do, but I have to do them. Yeah, because mom, because this, now mom fixing this for me is somehow fixing this for her, right? right. That I mean, that anytime you see her a cheerleading crazy mom or like a dance mom, that's what are it those, is. Are uh, those beauty pageant moms? Yeah, that's what it is, right? Is they felt ugly, they felt not pretty or rejected or not chosen. And then they're basically molding their kids into fixing their pain body, which does not work, right? I will, right. I will say this, that does not work. You're just screwing up your kid. Yeah, you're just giving them their own messed up flavor of a different pain body. Yeah. Right. So you're, give, you're giving them like the same pain body. It's like <laughs> I don't know. You give a pain body of disempowerment. Yes. You felt disempowered because somebody rejected you and you weren't pretty and you weren't chosen for the cheerleading squad. And now you give him the same pain body of disempowerment by guess what? I I I am not even hurt. I'm not yeah. I'm not able to say anything if shit happens to me. It, is, is that any different? It's not any different. The the Kool-Aid flavor is different, but it's still Kool-Aid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so if so worst case scenario, if you are stuck in a situation where you cannot have a conversation with anyone, not a counselor, not a therapist, not an aunt or an uncle or grandma or a parent or whatever, then start realizing that you're living in the circumstances, but this does not have to define you, right? You have so 
allow yourself to still sit there and feel your own emotional range. Okay, here's how I feel about it. It is unfair. I'm not being listened to. I'm being heard. But guess what? I still have feelings and I still have emotions and I still have opinions. And just because I'm disempowered and I'm not able to express them at home, I am still able to process them within myself. And maybe find a friend to talk to and and then just have that deep conversation with a friend to where you still have an outlet of letting these emotions flow. That's not a commiserating section. No, but it's allow, but you can also talk with yourself. I talk with myself when I'm sitting there crying and I'm trying to process trauma. I just talk it with myself. You can look at yourself in the mirror, do it, or you can just say, I feel so much pain right now. Why am I feeling so much pain? And then you can cry and go, okay, is it just, I feel, I'm feeling so unsafe and I'm feeling vulnerable and I'm feeling that there's no one there to save me. And the pain of feeling so unsafe is so big that I almost have to design a scenario where someone's going to come and save me. Because I'm that is my coping mechanism, right? And so then I go, okay, well, I'm just really, really feeling so unsafe. And I'm literally just grabbing at the world, trying to calm myself down. Right. And so you can see that as you start to talk to yourself, right. Crying or not crying or beating out a punching bag, whatever it takes. Right. Just talk that within you. Let it flow. Let it flow. And then the pain body will come with it. Right. It just start, the energy will start to come out and then you will have this like, ah, Okay, you know, like, okay, okay, you know, and then it will take, like right now, right, this just happened a couple of days ago, and I'm still feeling that go through me, like little things are coming up, but I'm like, oh, yeah, it feels into this, this way, it feels into yeah. this way, this way. But, you know, that was in you, has been in you for 40 some odd years. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's not doing any good in you. No. It's, it's only adding stress and and stress hormones cortisol adrenaline it's only doing that yeah so if you can let it out yeah it sucks to experience letting it out but that's just once or maybe just a few times it's just for for, for a short amount of time versus yeah. living with it forever living, or which is living in blindness living in blindness and through a lie and it's there i mean not it may not be on the, at the forefront of your consciousness, but it's there. Oh no, it's it's dominating my life. It's not even just there; it is running my life. Right. My relationship with you. The reason I started a relationship with you is I found someone in this world who would basically betray my feeling of trust and safety. That's it, right? If if that is how I felt as a child. I did not feel safe, and I knew that there would be no one out there to save me. I want to prove that to myself by marrying someone who would not be there to save me. Right? Yeah. And th- then what has our relationship been? You betraying me and feel- make me feel unsafe for the 20 years of our marriage. Is it making you feel uncomfortable? A little bit. <laughs> Why is that? It is, but that's the thing. It's right. not on you. That has nothing to do with you. This right. is my definition that I picked someone to bring up that karma, basically, here's what happens. And I think I talked about this, but well, I reinforce this. Whatever I developed as my core feeling before the age of seven, which is I feel unsafe and there's no one there to save me, right? Yeah. At the core, that is what I need to release out of my body. I need to feel safe and realize that I'm safe and I don't need anyone to save me. I don't need to save myself. I don't need to climb horses and take out swords. But at the same time, I don't need to be looking for anyone to do that too, right? I'm just safe. I need to feel safe. Right. Like, that is Intr- just at the just core. intrinsically. Intrinsically, I need to feel safe. I need to release that cortisol and just for the first time, maybe not be tense, right? 
because that is the pain body that got set in as a prime trauma. In fact, in this case, I realized based on the fact that Aiden brought up the switchcraft thing from the previous life, I can feel that propagating. And then I remember my life in Egypt was that not feeling safe there. Like I can see this, these little strings coming into this lifetime. I know I'm bringing like witchcraft into this. Um, but because it is so large and so big, in order for me to live my life and be able to release that tension, that, that discomfort, that feeling unsafety out of me, my entire life in this lifetime, as Tanya, you know, 1.0 in, in this lifetime, is designed to facilitate all the points of my being where that could be released, right? Then you can talk about yeah. your end on the other end, right? Yeah. So I designed, I myself subconsciously crafted a lifetime where I have opportunity upon an opportunity upon an opportunity right. to see through that pain, that personal pain that I carry inside of feeling intrinsically unsafe and then be able to release it. Right. And you, you're there, you're there, it has nothing to do with you. I picked you because I knew you would facilitate that mirror for me to where right, right. you could not you, bring me safety. Give, you, you, your higher self has crafted a 3D life to give you all these opportunities to- Undo it, undo yeah, my bullshit. Move past these things. Move past it, yeah. To release yeah. this karmic hold of- what does it mean to feel unsafe at the core of your being? Like yeah. the pr primal frequency of unsafety. Right. And, and, and like, I can feel it right now, like energetically, right? I do a lot of body energy work. And so I can feel it, all the places being held in me still. So like I can feel my stomach and the nuts, the still to the idea that, uh, that I am, you know, I am not safe. Which is not true, right? Like logically, right. it's completely not true. But it's just ingrained there because before seven, that was my 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 truth, my perceived truth. So yeah, yeah, I mean, that is the reflection of your relationship with I. And I will say this for the teenagers. All the relationships that you will be entering in right now, right? Because as a teenager, this is possibly the first time you're building your own relationship by choice through girlfriends through friends through uh you know uh, mentors peers you know whatever you want to do all of your relationships are there to bring out this hidden pain body that you feel inside of you okay and they will start reflecting that to you and anytime you fail you feel like uh, arousal like um like uh, Physically aroused? Attraction? No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with attraction. Like you feel stirred, like you feel okay. your body stirred, aroused, right? You, not sexually, just, just normally. Worked that, up. Worked up, sure. That is there because the pain body is being poked. And, and that you can, you know, you guys have emotional maturity right now. Heck, everybody listening, even if you're adults, everybody has the ability to feel the poking and go, wait, there's something there. Do I want to explore it? Do I want to go deep? I, I was going to say that I think people are often even attracted or drawn to people who they know will end up poking these things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we said this in the episode one, is that 
you came into my life to draw out my pain body and I came into your life to draw out right, pain body. Right, Yeah. Right. And so the, the the relationship, the marriage is just there to poke each other's buttons to oh, get yeah. these pain bodies to come up. Right. right. And, you know, here's episode seven and we're just now discovering a brand new pain body on my end. Yeah, me too. Then I can bring up. Yeah. Did you want to talk about yours? I could I could be a whole episode. We're already hour oh, and yeah. in. Okay, so any wait, anything else for for teenagers to? Oh yeah, I uh, so so there's parents, right? The parents is a big thing because you're living under the house with the control of it. So that that is what you can do is start talking. But if nothing else, worst case, if you're not able to talk to anyone, still allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. Acknowledge that is your truth. Just because you're not being heard by your parents, allow yourself to have your own truth. Right. I mean, as you know, you very well may be in situations throughout the rest of your life, whether at work or at home or with with a with your house or your, you know, whatever, where things aren't going how you kind of wish they would go. And on one hand, that's life, you know. The, the the boss says you got to come in on Saturday. Well, you might just have to come in on Saturday, and maybe that sucks, but maybe that's just the job. And if you want that job or you need that job, that's just what it is. So it isn't you get everything you want your way all the time. That's not the end goal. The end goal is is more of what is this making me feel, and why. Mm-hmm. To, to, to dig deeper. To dig deeper. Because the more awareness you can bring to why why do I, how A, how do I feel? Which for some people, like myself specifically, was its own <laughs> challenge. And then B, why? Where's that coming from? And that, maybe that is, you know, when I was four, such and such happened. It, it isn't even necessary to to dig down that it's helpful if you can get that, but it, you don't need that. But we know what, okay, this thing that's happening, it's triggering something greater. It's not about the, the coming in on Saturday. It's that, oh, well, this feels very disempowering to me. And, and that's the story of my life. That is the, the, the story of my life, disempowerment. But, you know, discovering that is, is, possibly the most valuable thing you can do for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Side, side note, don't be afraid to leave a job. Yeah. <laughs> if it's, if it's, if there, if you're, if you're being made to do things that just, you don't want to do, don't be afraid to leave it. Yeah. It is perfect. Yeah. This, we will say this is perfectly fine to roll through so many jobs. Oh my gosh. Especially now. Especially now. Right. Like nobody cares. And the goal of you as a teenager is to just discover right. what is it that you want. And if something's not right, I'm not saying like give up and just, and just brush it off to the point where you don't care. But the goal of an employee is to basically milk the employee for all for all they got right the most part right yeah and so so you think of this as like oh my gosh this is this best relationship or whatever yeah. whatever they, and they have loyalty to the company yeah yeah but from my experience i can tell you is they are an employer as a manager they're not the owner their job is to run the place and then they just need troops on ground right and then and they do not i'm, I'm not saying everybody is this way but for the most part 
you know, they do not take it personally when you quit. Oh yeah. They do, like, right. If you were an employee and you just, this is not resonating with you and this is not working for you. Right. Please don't, do not be don't afraid have to a quit. pain body right. of being afraid to quit. Don't or say no. Don't, yeah, or don't, say no. Don't that, feel that like is you, why I didn't quit. you owe the company oh, yes, something. Please, you don't oh, want to anything. You are, if they want to, companies that I've been at want to portray it as a family and everything. It's like, well, you know, you, don't, you can't leave your family. No, 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 no. They can fire you at any time for any reason. I don't like your face. You're fired. Yeah. And, you know. Well, I'm not trying to paint a bleak picture. Well, uh, yes. There, there, there are better companies than there are worse companies. But I guess what I'm, where I was going is don't stick with a job that doesn't suit your higher purpose, especially for the reason of because they gave me the chance or because I I owe the company this. Or I have low self-esteem and I'm not able to get a I'm job I'm afraid I can't else. get another job. That was my thing. I was afraid of that too. Yeah. Or like, oh my gosh, this is going to hurt my boss's feeling. Oh my gosh, my boss was using me in every way possible. And I spent five years on that job. And everybody was like, Tanya, you're being used. Like beyond my work. Like I was like offering free babysitting services and oh all kinds gosh, of stuff. I remember that. Right. And, and so, but it's because I couldn't say no. Yeah. And I felt something inside that didn't feel right, but because I wasn't acknowledging what I was feeling and I'm in disempowered and I can't say no, I ended up working in there for five years and I still have nightmares about still working there. <laughs> right. When you left, she said, well, what does, what does keep you on the, on the payroll? We're not going to pay you, but we'll keep you on the payroll just in case you want to come back to make the paperwork easier. Yeah, and I still have nightmares that I have to like come back there, and I'm still like registered with the company, but now I don't remember the how to use the registers. The company that's gone bankrupt, it doesn't yeah, exist yeah, anymore. Right. No, but that, that tells you how disempowered I was. Not be able to leave to say no yeah. because there was the self esteem of like I'm not good enough to get another job. Bullshit! You're yeah. more than qualified to yes. get any job you want. Right. Okay. I mean, it's so, it's it's also you know maybe not a bad idea to. Line up a second job while you're leave before you leave the first one. That's yeah, not necessarily have, a bad if idea. You if, you, if you have, yeah, if you if you can, but yeah, boy, yeah. There's that. So there's that. And then the other thing I wanted to address, and this is, I don't know if tell me if this is just too big, the social pressure of being in high school. Is that just too big of a topic? Well, for we an hour and a half, uh, we can try it. It's it was there was a lot. Back, I was in high school in the in the nineties, late nineties, and I imagine it just seems so much worse today. Yeah, here, but I wanted to. Okay, so I will do this quick. But if, if somebody is more in depth, we can have a whole other episode. So somebody could let me know. the The whole point of your teenage years, right, especially in high school, is as you're developing your being for the first time as an adult, you are questioning what is it that you how about this because of your pain body you're questioning what is it that you can and cannot do in order to fit in not stand out not be ridiculed not be bullied feel like you belong or in some cases if you're a jog or a cheerleader to feel like you're super awesome or super cool and so Everybody, quite literally everybody, is going through this phase of, I am trying to find who I am as a human being and what is it that I can do to fit in and how much of me can I actually bring in into any one moment? Because you're scared to be yourself. Right. It's you. Yes, there is. You there. It's it's so complicated 
that, oh, if I'm friends with, with this person, then I can't be friends with that person because they don't like, there's all, there's the, the mental calculus that you would have to do yeah. to, to balance this. I mean, it would take an incredible amount of energy, but I know I wasn't myself in order to be part of this group and be part of this group and be part of that group. And I was different people to the different groups. Even when I was employed outside of the house, I was not, I was a different person with you than I was at school, than I was at work. Yeah. Yeah. And so the high school is the place where middle school, high school, but you know, late middle school, but all through high school is where you are testing the boundaries of how comfortable you feel about being yourself. Right. And so, not to put any more pressure on teenagers, but find the courage just to be you. Right. I, we, we, we humans will do everything in our power to become someone else so that this other person will like us. Yeah. Without Validate go, us. Validate us. Make us feel better about ourselves because we With, feel like shit. Without without going, wait a minute, if this person doesn't like me for who I am, why do I care if they like me at all? Yeah, but as a teenager, that is really difficult. It is really difficult, Di especially if you like them. Like, yeah. I like, you know, Alice over there. Uh, so I'm going to try to be the person who I think Alice wants me to be. Yeah. But... But they, that's not sustainable. No, 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 no. But that, that the most important part is if that is the behavior that is set in, in, because the truth is that is where it sets in. It sets into high school. You are starting to behave a specific way that is not at the core, the honest you, in order to fit, in order to feel right. like you belong. And honestly, it's whatever your pain body is, right? If you feel like you're not good enough to, to perceive like you're good, if you feel like you don't belong to, to fit into more places where you feel like you belong, if you feel like you are disempowered, make yourself look powerful, right? Like you will play these games right. in high school trying to make sense or make yourself feel better about what is it that is the karmic life have come to, have for you to discover yeah. and you'll start being someone else. And it's completely inauthentic and people can sense that it's in inauthentic. Well, in high school, everybody's inauthentic. Yeah, That's the whole but, point of high school. Yeah, Nobody going on into life that the people that pe the people that people actually respect are the people who are authentically themselves. Yeah. And you don't want I mean, someone who comes with maturity. A lot, yes, that's but true. But in high school, you like you don't realize that. Yeah. So you think you need to be something. Just be yourself. Just, but just be yourself. So that is the biggest pitfall. Is like high school or teenage years is when you fall into this trying to mold yourself to be something to fit into the world based on whatever you feel like you're lacking. Right. I mean, I mean, and some of that going back to parents is oh, I I feel like I need to do cheerleading or play soccer because mom or dad really seems to want me to dot, 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 because they didn't, they didn't join, get on the cheerleading team, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes to that too. It's. No, it's all related. Yourself. It's all related, but, but. But the know, social pressure. Of but the social pressure of fitting in and belonging 
sets you on the path of not being your authentic self. Yeah. And it's a hard it's a hard thing to break once you get started doing yes. that. Yes. So, you know, I'm speaking from experience. You can start that path in high school and then be a 40-year-old like us and only now going, what the heck just happened for the last, right. you know, 20 Why 20 have years? I been why have I been pretending to be this or that for the benefit of people who I don't even like in the first place? Yes. Yes. And so unravel what is it that you feel and have the guts to be yourself. Yeah. What whatever that might mean, right? And you guess and and, and then the people that their fear is I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna spend my high school years without friends if I don't pretend to be this, right? Or if I don't look like this, or if I don't wear the whatever name brand clothes, I don't even, I think people care about that. But right, there's all these nuances of trying to be something that you're not in order to belong and fit in. The truth is, realize everyone in high school is in the exact same position. No one is being themselves. Everyone's trying to, I don't know, just, just fake it until you make it type of a thing. And authenticity of you is beautiful. Right. Heck, if everyone in high school just decided to be themselves and allow that beauty to flow, right, you could have a different world. Yeah. You, everybody, these, we would have a different world yeah. if everyone just had the guts to be themselves. All, and it's not that the, the clicks would necessarily disappear, but I think the animosity between them would, would, would go away. Because it's like part- the clicks would not be there because the clicks don't have honesty in them. The fact that there's a click means it's some sort of dishonest grouping of people together based on their right, pain but, body. But I mean, in 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 the sense that the 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 jocks and the nerds don't like each other, for example. I don't know if that's still a thing. I don't know if that's a thing. But like, part of being a a a a nerd is animosity toward the jocks because that's just part of that clicks mindset uh, that may be like a 20 year old concept. it might be i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but like authentically you, you're like i don't really care about if they i don't i don't like them i don't hate them they're just other people yeah no that's the thing is realize that everyone I mean, that, that, ex, that extends to adult life you know oh i'm a democrat i hate those republicans ah, whatever that's just the, the the group think that's not authentically who are you and what do you think yeah but the kids see the parents live their through their pain body yeah. of like, oh, we hate these people and we like these people. So as they as teenagers become adults, right, they think that that is the way of life. Well, you just live hating those and liking those right. and trying to fit in right here. Yeah. That is not the way of life. It, and that way of fitting in only gets more expensive. Oh, now I've got to have the fancy car so that I can... Fit in yes, and, that know, is the pain body people. way of living. That yeah. is not a true way to live. That is what has now. I will say that has been the status quo of most people's lives. Yes, as far as we can see. Yes, right. But that is not authentic way to no, live. It's not healthy. It's not. I, I mean, I guess it's sustainable, but not in a great way. But come 60, right. 70, or eighty years old, when you're in that position, you're dying from that unprocessed right. pain, right? So, like, so what, what have I, I have wasted example, my life trying to make people who I don't like happy and, and impress them and, and I've never been myself. Yeah. The examples that we are setting as parents are not necessarily the best examples because you and I are only now in our forties trying to process the pain body yeah. that we have subject our kids to and then brought in 
are yeah. fucked up definitions for the world. Well, they're they're insidious, and they're just like it feels completely normal to behave that way because I have always felt that way, and I've always behaved that way, and I don't even I can't even conceive of a life behaving or thinking or feeling any differently. Yeah. Not only can I not conceive of it, it would never dawn on me to think about that. Yeah. So think about it. Well, just just be yourself. Like the expense of you not being yourself propagates so much worse right. forward. Compounding interest it's com- in, yeah, a, it's in a bad way. Compounding you into a pain body way of response to the world. Yeah. It, as it, opposed it, to authentic- it builds on itself. Yeah. And as opposed to allowing what you feel to flow and release the hate and the judgment that might come your way from, from the social group or from your parents or from religion or whatever, mm-hmm. and go, what is my authentic self feels as opposed to what the group is telling me to follow and live and, and like live from your honest space of heart, like from the honesty of you. And, and the teenage years would be crucial to to do that. And I think it would set an example for the parents who are not willing to do that as well. So I will say that I think, you know, if I say you're in the worst case scenario, you are not able to change the status quo of your family situation, just you being your authentic self might spark some thought in those who are choosing not to. This will have a ripple effect both onto the family that you live in and the ripple effect onto the social circle that you choose to belong in high school, right? Or the workplace that you go to. Just you being your own self and owning that. So, yeah. maybe a good wrap. Good place to wrap it. Yeah. If the extrapolations needed on any of the topics, we can always dive in. But I hope it's helped. I hope so. Thank you for listening. Thank you. <laughs>